I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, I want to go back to the Personal Life Lesson Series and talk to you about some of my most important lessons for thriving in motherhood. I'm a mom of six, so whether you have kids now or are looking ahead to motherhood in the future or just know mothers in your life that need encouragement, I hope these truths will be a blessing to you. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that we have an online course on marriage and motherhood that is on sale for 25% off for the next few weeks. So if you go to setapartmotherhood.com, you can learn more about that program. It's an eight-week online course where I just walk you through the most important spiritual truths that God has taught me about marriage and motherhood over these past 27 plus years. There's a link in the podcast description or just go to setapartmotherhood.com. I also wanted to let you know that you can register now for our 2023 Set Apart Conference. You can join us in Colorado or anywhere via simulcast. And this event does fill usually pretty quickly. So so I encourage you to click the link in this podcast description or go to setapartgirl.com and learn more about our annual conference. It's such a special weekend. I would love to see you there. So let's talk about spiritual keys to thriving in motherhood. Some of you know my story. If you've been listening to this podcast for any number of years, I've, I've shared before how Eric and I were married almost 10 years before we had our first child. And I was very reluctant to say yes to welcoming children because I had heard all these terrible stories about you know, your life will be over. You'll have no ability to have any time to yourself. Your marriage will fall apart. People, for whatever reason, began to speak a lot of doom and gloom over my life when it came to motherhood. And even though I had grown up in in a great Christian home without that type of scenario... I just started to get worried that my life would fall apart once I had children. And Eric and I were very active in ministry, and people had said, you know, don't have kids until you're ready to just completely stop all of that. So God did a work in my heart and really opened my eyes to see that I didn't need to pattern my journey into motherhood after what I was hearing from other people, but that he, just as he had written our love story in his own perfect and beautiful way, he could write our family story if I would trust him with the pen. And so I said yes. He began to change my heart. I said, okay, I'm I'm open to having children in God's perfect timing. And through birth and through adoption, in the space of about four or five years, we had four. And they were kind of just all right in a row. And we adopted two and had two. And it was a really... It was a really fun season. It was also a really crazy season because at one point we had four kids under the age of five. It was kind of like God was making up for lost time. So I remember having two in diapers at once and two in high chairs at once and just just quite a, a wild ride there for for a whole season. And And as things started to calm down, and the kids got out of diapers and started sleeping through the night. And, and then things started to become a little more predictable. Even though our life was very full and busy, God put it on our heart to adopt two little babies from Haiti. And they didn't come home until they were almost three. So we were in the adoption process for about 29 months. And when they came home, it was such a jarring experience because even though we were so excited to welcome them home, we went from four to six kids in one day. And it wasn't like bringing home two little babies that slept most of the day. We brought home two toddlers. They were almost three and they were just active and busy. And from the moment they walked into our house, I realized, okay, my life has definitely changed. And so as I've journeyed through these different seasons of four children under the age of five at once, or going from four to six overnight, getting two at once from Haiti that were both toddlers, and even now with older kids who have deeper needs, more complex issues, they have a lot of activities and personal pursuits that I'm supporting them in. 
there are a lot of moments when I have felt in my motherhood that I'm overwhelmed. I can't handle it. There's a lot on my plate. I just don't know how I can possibly be the mother that God wants me to be to all six of my children simultaneously, and I start to feel overwhelmed. But as I've said in other podcasts, I have learned that thriving in motherhood is not about being perfect. I think so often we look at what's on our plate with raising children, even if you just have one child, because I remember our oldest, he was a very high needs baby and, and a very intense child. And so a lot of my challenges really started when I only had one child and it felt overwhelming. Now I have six and I can't imagine being overwhelmed by one, but it was just a process of learning how to adapt to each child that God gave us. But so often we look to our own resources, our own abilities and wisdom and try to be a great mother that way. But it's not about our perfection. It's about becoming completely dependent on Jesus Christ. It's about his perfection. And I've learned that in every motherhood challenge I face, there is actually an amazing spiritual breakthrough that waits for me if I will have eyes to see it. So I look back at the season of four children under the age of five. I look back at the season when Reese and Lily first came home from Haiti. And I even look at the challenges I'm facing now with so many older kids all at the same time. And I've recognized that every single time I walk through a challenge, a a, a difficulty, a stressful situation in parenting, there is an incredible spiritual lesson that God wants to teach me through it. He wants to equip me to do what I could never do in my own strength. And I want to share one of my favorite stories in scripture, and I love how it relates to motherhood. Now, at first, it might not seem like it relates to motherhood, but it's the story of when the disciples were with Jesus and they forgot to take bread on this journey. They were all in a boat sailing from one place to another, and they forgot bread. Now, there were 12 of them. They were able-bodied, smart guys, probably. And it was such a basic thing. You would think that at least one of them would have remembered to bring bread for the journey. So they were on this journey with no food. And I can so relate to that because sometimes we just get so distracted, overwhelmed, stressed out, exhausted that we start to forget even simple things like bringing bread on a journey. And I've had moments like that in motherhood. I remember one time just rushing from here to there, trying to get my daughter out the door to a violin lesson and being so excited that we made it on time and then recognizing, okay, we didn't even bring the violin. So this is pointless. A lot of moments like that when they were younger, especially, I remember being out of town and having my six-year-old daughter, her lizard died. And I remember her texting me this terrible message with all these crying faces, Fred, that Fred was the name of the lizard. Fred is dead. And she spelled dead, D-E-D. And it was really heartbreaking. And I felt like such a failure because I wasn't there to help her in her grief over her dead lizard. So there's been a lot of little moments like that where I felt like a failure in motherhood. But there's also been bigger moments where I lay in bed at night and I struggle with anxiety because I feel like, oh, I'm falling short in this area. I'm not teaching them that. I haven't imparted this to them yet, or I don't feel like my teaching is getting through to them. But here's what I love about the story of the disciples forgetting bread. When they made a mistake, when they fell short in something so simple and so basic, Jesus didn't rebuke them for being careless or for their oversight or for their mistake. His only rebuke to them was for their lack of faith. Let's take a deeper look at the scripture. It's from Mark 16, 14 through 21. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Can you imagine that moment where you're just like kind of hitting your hand to your forehead? Like, I can't believe we forgot bread. We only have one loaf between all of us and we have to go on this journey. Then Jesus charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. 
And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragrance did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragrance did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Now, what can we learn from this story? Jesus was reminding them that even if they didn't do everything perfectly, they were with the perfect one. He warned them not to become hard of heart and forget his amazing faithfulness, his willingness to provide everything that was needed for the situation. And I have found in my own life that godly motherhood is just as impossible in my own strength with my own resources as trying to feed a large crowd when you don't have any food to feed them with. It's probably how the disciples must have felt when Jesus first was walking them through this understanding of who he was through the feeding of the 5,000. They came to him. They have this huge crowd there. And they said, this is a a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the crowd away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they could not figure it out. They said, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Jesus was literally asking them to do the impossible. The odds were against them. They were in a deserted place. The day was far spent. It would cost a fortune to feed that crowd just one meal. And even then the crowd wouldn't get enough. But Jesus still said, you give them something to eat. So when they looked at their circumstances and said, "Uh, we can't do that, what were they missing? They were missing the fact that they were with the bread of life himself. All they needed to do was get in step with him and they would have everything that they needed for the impossible task, that feeding of the 5,000. And as you see in that story, once the disciples allowed Jesus to be Jesus, the task was no longer impossible. And that has been such an important reminder for me in motherhood. And when I start to fail and fall short and look at my how I'm not measuring up, he reminds me of that story of feeding of the 5,000, that it wasn't up to the disciples. It was up to their dependence upon the perfect one, the bread of life himself. And, and that's the very same reminder Jesus gave to the disciples when they forgot bread on that journey. Now, when we look at the feeding of the 5,000, it's important to realize the disciples still had a role to play in what happened. They didn't just sit by passively and watch Jesus perform. They worked in cooperation with him. If you take a look at what he says in Matthew 14, 35 through 42, he commanded them to make all the crowds sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them in the fish he divided among them all so they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragrance and of the fish now those who had eaten of the loaves were about 5,000 men that's such an amazing story Jesus supplied and multiplied the bread and the fish and then he gave those things to the disciples for the impossible task that they were called to do feeding that crowd of 5,000 So he was supplying what they needed to say yes to the call that he had given them. And that I have found is the pattern for successful motherhood. 
Jesus supplies the resource, the wisdom, the provision, the peace, the courage, the discipline, the self-control, the love, everything that we need in order to fulfill the impossible task of motherhood. We are called to receive those things from him and then act with what we have been given, just as the disciples fed the multitude with the provision that Jesus gave them. There's a lot of confusion today about what really leads to exhaustion and burnout in motherhood. It's not always the fact that we need to have less on our plate. Sometimes that is the case. It's not always the fact that we are really pouring out and serving our families, but it happens when we try to take over Jesus' role as the miracle worker instead of taking the disciples' role of obedient participants in the miracle. I feel like I see two common trends in motherhood today. And it's perfection on the one hand or chaos on the other hand. So a closer look at the trend of motherhood perfectionism that we sometimes see in Christian circles, I would, another name for it would be motherhood pride. And it focuses on our own abilities and tries to impress others with our seeming success. And with social media now, it's very easy to sort of kind of convey that ambiance of success, even though you truly aren't thriving in motherhood, because you can make anything look amazing online if you want to. A lot of times we see mothers that have child training pride. I've been around a lot of moms who believe that they are a successful mother because they've trained their children how to sit still in church and behave well in front of others. Now that's a great quality, but that's not what defines motherhood success or homeschooling pride. A lot of moms think they're a successful mother if they educate their children far beyond the standards of the typical public schoolers, or maybe because of the large number of children they're homeschooling at one time. And that's a very noble thing to do. But again, that's not what leads to success in motherhood or a separation pride. If you believe you're a successful mother because of the long list of things you don't allow your children to participate in, it's very important to protect our children from the garbage that is out there. But again, that's not what leads to success in motherhood or believing that you're a successful mother because you've learned how to manage your home logistics well and can impress others on Instagram and Pinterest. And that's actually a very deceiving one because oftentimes there is spiritual decay in our homes, even though on the outside, everything looks perfect. And it's, it's easy to fall into that pitfall of motherhood pride when we start to lean on things other than Jesus Christ for our motherhood success. A lot of times when we showcase a certain aspect of motherhood that we think we're especially good at and get, and get comfortable in that one area, that would be similar to the disciples coming up with their own plan for feeding the crowd. So just imagine if pride and personal ability gets in the way. Jesus would say, you give the crowd something to eat, and then the disciples would spring into action. Maybe they would organize a fundraiser. They'd send delegates into the towns. Maybe they'd get a little bit of food together with all these efforts for this 5,000 plus person crowd. And maybe everyone gets one small little nibble of bread. Now it would be very impressive that the disciples would be able to do anything for a crowd that size at the last minute in a deserted place with no money, but their very best efforts would still fall short of what Jesus intended to do for those people. Because in the end, everyone in that crowd would remain unsatisfied and frustrated and hungry. The only way to truly be filled is to receive from from the bread of life himself. It says in John 6, 26, you ate of the loaves and were filled, referring to that miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. The same is true for motherhood. The very best we could ever give to our children is just like giving them a tiny crumb of bread compared to the glorious, satisfying feast that they can only receive from the bread of life, Jesus himself. So the key truth I have learned is that no matter how impressive we may be at 
the physical or practical aspects of motherhood, until we get out of the way and let Jesus take over, we're going to fall far short of giving our children what they really need in light of eternity. There's nothing wrong with being excellent at child training, homeschooling, set apart living or home management, as long as we don't place our confidence in those things. We place our confidence in Christ alone. We work in cooperation with the spirit of God, not just our own human wisdom. We remain dependent on Jesus every step of the way. And we realize that without him, we can do nothing of any real value. We understand that everything we have to give, we have received from him. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And that's a very poignant reminder for those of us who might fall into that pitfall of leaning on our own abilities and measuring our success based on what we accomplish in these various areas. We can't ever forget that it's not about being perfect as a mother, but getting in step with the perfect one. Now, the other trend we often see in motherhood is the trend of chaos and almost like celebrating chaos. In another way of saying that would be maybe carelessness. It focuses sort of on removing the expectations from our motherhood role and even using our children as an excuse for laziness or selfishness. Sometimes we fall into that mindset of believing this popular saying, good moms have sticky floors, laundry piles, and happy kids. And I understand the the heart behind that, which is like, you know, your children are more important than the state of your home, which is very true. But the idea behind it is sort of like, you know, the less you concern yourself with the state of your home, the more energy you will have to be a good mom. And in reality, one of the ways we serve our homes and our families and our children is to create an orderly environment for them, which I've talked about on other podcasts before. But it's easy to get into that, hey, I'm just going to accept and celebrate the chaos or maybe personal chaos, believing that it's okay to be a beautiful mess. I've heard that statement during the child raising years, not really having any order to our daily lives because our kids demand too much of us to leave anything left over for personal discipline. And it's really easy to fall into that mindset of like, you know what, I'm just going to live a very disorderly chaotic life while I'm raising children or even spiritual chaos, believing that it's normal to let your relationship with Christ coast while you're raising kids and that if you expect anything more it's like putting unhealthy pressure on an already stressful life now i've been tempted along these lines many different times in my motherhood journey but what if the disciples applied this reasoning to jesus when he said make the crowd sit down in groups of 50 he was telling them an order in which he wanted this this feeding of the 5000 to take place If they had accepted this chaos idea, they would probably talk among themselves and say, you know, this is an unrealistic request. We've been in ministry mode all day and we're tired and we don't really have time for organizing this crowd. And now Jesus is putting unhealthy pressure on us to do even more work, having to organize the crowd. And they would have to personally organize groups of 100 people. It wasn't reasonable. They shouldn't they shouldn't do it or feel guilty about not doing it. And so instead of working in cooperation with Jesus agenda, they decide to let this whole scene just become a free for all feeding frenzy. So imagine 5,000 hungry people pushing each other out of the way and rushing to all grab the food first. So instead of a peaceful, orderly, fulfilling experience that brings glory to Jesus, it becomes this circus of frustration and chaos. And that's what would happen if the disciples embraced that idea. Hey, it's, it's great to celebrate chaos. It's very interesting to me that Jesus wanted this miracle to be done in an orderly, peaceful way. And he wanted his disciples to help facilitate that part of his design and his agenda. God is a God of order and not chaos. And we see that in this story and many others like that, as we've talked about in other episodes. 
But it all boils down to this. Neither motherhood perfectionism nor motherhood chaos really reflect the secret to thriving in this calling of motherhood. Jesus himself gave us the secret to being a mother that really reflects the pattern of heaven. And it's found in John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There is no other way to fulfill the high calling of bringing up children in the ways of God, because no lasting fruit can come from our motherhood if we fail to abide in him, to remain dependent on him, to work in cooperation with him, to yield to him every step of the way. And we've talked about this concept of abiding in other podcasts, but as a reminder, it means to continue to dwell, to endure, to be present, to remain and to stand. That is an active command, not a passive one. We are called to actively and purposely continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, and stand with Jesus Christ. And as I've shared in other episodes, a life-changing understanding for me has been to not allow motherhood to keep me from running to the feet of Jesus. And sometimes that happens, life gets busy and stressful, and I forget where my true source of strength is going to be found at Jesus' feet. And so I have to have the determination that says nothing is going to keep me from the feet of Jesus, no matter how much I have on my plate, no matter how demanding my kids are, no matter how busy my life is, that is what is most important. And I've been so convicted at many different times, even recently on my motherhood journey, that area of my life is what I need to protect above all else. It's like the men who wanted to get their paralyzed friend to the feet of Jesus, but they had so many obstacles in their way. They couldn't get past the crowds. They couldn't get through the house. So instead of just turning around and giving up, they said, nothing's going to keep us from getting this man to the feet of Jesus. They actually climbed up to the roof of the house, broke through the tiles and lowered him down right at the feet of Jesus. And that story convicts me to say, do I have that same determination that says nothing will keep me from the feet of Jesus today? He is my source of strength and victory and success. And that is how we thrive in motherhood. We become completely dependent on the one who has everything that we need. So those are just some tidbits of what I've learned in my motherhood journey. Again, I have an entire eight week course on marriage and motherhood that goes a lot deeper into all of this that you can learn about if you click on the link in the podcast description. But I want to encourage you today that even if you're not a mother, anything in life that you are facing that is maybe overwhelming or stressful, if you are leaning on your own strength, you will continue to feel overwhelmed and stressed and burned out. But when you begin to lean upon Jesus and allow him to be the miracle worker and you become a participant in the miracle that he wants to do, nothing is impossible that he calls you to when he's equipping you. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you want to go deeper into any of these truths, visit setapartgirl.com and check out the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.